Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235 and let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. storm that's out in the way out in the Atlantic that the uh, the news media Something is right. saying oh we're, you know here's the spaghetti models and all this kind of stuff it's all going to hit us and everything and then National Weather Service is kind of like uh, what <laughs> why are you yeah, telling people I know. Um, yeah. they're making a big hype over it but you never know I mean uh, it but so I'm, I'm just guessing this is uh, the precursor to it like uh, the seasons it's here scaring people you yeah yeah. Yeah, they love They're saying it's heading toward uh, heading toward uh, uh, what the Yucatan again, Yucatan Peninsula yeah. in Mexico. But yeah. you know they're showing that. But we're getting rains like this every day. I mean, it's just it's amazing oh, yeah. the amount of rain we're getting this year. Oh, well, we can't complain though. You see Pittsburgh, was it or, or yeah, I guess it's Pittsburgh that's uh, flooding. Mm. Uh, no. Oh yeah, it is, wow. it is Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's flooding in the streets. Yeah. Um, they get not two good. inches of rain. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's flooding in the streets, and and so um, it's it's bad there. Then wildfires. There's wildfires all around the country. It's uh, some nasty ones in Colorado, uh, really nasty ones. They can't control them with the winds. And then heat all over the country. There's... Uh, just nasty, nasty weather everywhere. So I guess we can put up with some afternoon rainstorms and stuff uh, compared to some of the things that are going on around the country. So I haven't heard. I, I check on this weather. The reason I, I try to keep up on it, I check on the weather trying to see what's happening in the uh, vineyards, wineries, uh, because, mm-hmm. well, you know, like Napa last year, um, Sonoma and stuff. And I try to keep up on if weather is affecting wineries anywhere. And it's pretty rough to do. I, I Different sources I check and all. And I'll see a mention here or there. Anything short of calling the states, everyone in the states that this is affecting and saying, say, is this affecting your wineries? I, you know, I don't get a... Uh, immediate reaction or response to what's going on, but there is a lot of bad weather going around. I'm going to have to uh, I have to make a couple calls to the commissions or the uh, boards or the associations of each of the states that handle wines and grapes and see if there is any problems anywhere because most of the time they don't mention it unless it is uh, directly right on top of them. So, so uh, wow. That's you know just explain a little bit about you know why I'm watching this weather stuff here. Um, so, but we've got storms moving in here. Mike's experienced storms. It's it's all over Florida. It's uh, a typical pattern here in Florida. It hits the middle of the state and starts working its way out toward the western coast. Builds up in the east coast. Hits the middle of the state really bad. And then hits out toward the western coast, which is you know. We live with it. My daughter, living in, well, Ogden, Utah, South Ogden, Salt Lake City, uh, was 
hitting temperatures of 102 and 103 today. So, yeah, I, I told her, I said she needs to move to cool Florida. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just, we, uh, there was a time, uh, well, they showed it a couple of nights ago. We were like the coolest in the the nation pretty much. We were in the 80s and really, like Denver, Colorado was in the upper upper 90s. I was like, what? <laughs> but, oh, yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's heat wave. Definitely heat yeah. wave going across. And this is all part of the climate change, which is something we're going to address a little bit here too about vineyards and how they're reacting and what they're doing about climate change. I'm going to talk about that for a little bit um, later. One thing we have to address too is all of you who were tuning in last week or listening to archives probably experienced a gap. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you were listening live, you heard a major gap. Yeah, it it was unbelievable. I was talking, I was going through and talking about stuff like I always do, and I asked Mike a question. Well, Mike didn't answer me, and I thought, why isn't Mike answering me? And I went back to the studio page here, and Mike was gone. And I'm going, what's going on? And I'm not there. I think I'm talking to myself. I don't think anybody's hearing me. And so I go back into the studio page on Blog Talk Radio, and Mike's not there. I guess it picked me up. I didn't know, because usually Michael said, yeah, I can hear you, but uh, he wasn't there. So it, he went back and edited it, And uh, but you said that there was a bunch of people that heard it with a big gap in it and stuff like that. Yeah, it took a, it took a, a, about a day and a half actually, and I kept checking, and I go, okay, good. There's no listens yet, you know. It was like uh, for, for the archive version, and, and I thought, okay, this is good, this is good, and uh, finally, I I uh, noticed there were there were a few listeners uh, to the archive version with the gap in it. I kept I edited it out and uploaded it, and was going through the you know everything I I thought I was needing to do, uh, except there's there's one little button down at the very bottom of the page that says save, and. <laughs> You can uh, you can get as many you can get as many uh, you know 100% complete uh, uploaded uh, messages as you want, but uh, the key is you have to click that save button down at the bottom. And uh, <laughs> now we know. And what, once you did that, then it's in there. So if you want to listen to it archived and edited and put together, so it's at least a nice smooth running without gaps in it, it's there now. So uh, yes. You know, those who ever listen to it in the future will say, oh, this is nice, but it's going to be short. What the show ended up being, you know. 20 minutes. You know, less than a half 20. hour, 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, so, so, just, you know, it wasn't our fault. We just, we didn't know about that. Then all of a sudden something happened. And we yeah. don't know if it was Blog Talk Radio or Skype or who it was that did it. So, mm-hmm. but, so Yeah. We're on now. We're on now. So, yeah. And if you lose this again, thanks for hanging in there and staying with us. Uh, I've got a few things to talk about. First, I I, I mentioned some – I'm doing trivia. Uh, I forgot to do some trivia last week, throw a few things out at you. So let's start out here. This is called the Spice of Life. It says, for most of us, a diet of just three or four foods would be unthinkable. What? Life without mangoes, goat cheese, baby back ribs? Yet, when it comes to wine, many of us drink surprisingly narrowly. Consider this. There are more than 5,000 great varieties in the world. Yet, many of us never stray beyond a few favorites, including probably Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon. Well, you might be thinking the world might boast many wine grape varieties, but here at home, we're pretty limited. That's not true. Each year in California, nearly 70 different red grape varieties are harvested, crushed, and made into wine, and nearly 40 different whites. Now, this is just out of California alone. So, this week, just for a change of pace, instead of drinking the number one red grape in terms of tons crushed, Cabernet Sauvignon, or the number one white, Chardonnay, why not consider these? Do a Chenin Blanc, which is number three in Crush. Barbera, number six in the red. A Pinot Gris, which is number eight in white. Our Carignan, 
And that's spelled C-A-R-I-G-N-A-N-E. It's not pronounced Carignan. It's Carignan. That's number 10 red. Or even a Vernier or a Petit Syrah, which is number 12 in red, respectively. So there you go. Do that. I used to tell people all the time at the winery, Try different wine. Don't be stuck on just one. And, and so many people are so true that you, people always go back to their their default wine. I always refer to that as, you know, you pick up your default wine instead of trying something new. And there's just so many, so many good wines out there. Just give them a try. Just stay in your own price range. If you don't want to try something new and you know, get something in your own price range because they are all around the same price range. It's uh, So, try something new. I am enjoying a Florida State's Winery Strawberry Port tonight as my drink of choice. I uh, just had to, had to open up another one. And it is, as always, just, just as good and scrumptious as it always has been. So, I'm going to take a sip. And do like an advertisement, look at the person across the room and smile and nod my head. That's... (laughs) 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 You ever see that in advertisements where somebody eats something or drinks and always look across at somebody else, smile and nod their head. So... Oh, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I I don't know what I covered last week and what I didn't. This, it, you know, it, it whenever you, the program cuts off partway through, you start uh, losing track of what was done and what wasn't done. So I don't know what was done and what wasn't done last week, but uh, I'll try to not repeat myself too much. Uh, I think I made it up into something about the Missouri law, but uh, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll highlight a couple of things. First, though, we got some things coming up here. I'm going to make a couple of quick announcements. Whispering Oaks Winery. Yeah, Whispering Oaks does send me a lot, a lot of emails. I get one, well, I hate to say it, but almost every day. But Whispering Oaks has uh, a good dinner coming up. Uh, they're open seven days a week. It's located in Oxford, Florida, 352-748-0449 at www.winesofflorida.com. Uh, and coming up, they have live music all this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 5 to 9 Friday, Saturday, and 5 to 8 Sunday. And then they also have an afternoon music, uh, noon to 3, both Saturday and Sunday. So there's always something to entertain you there. Their Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night steak dinners. We've mentioned these before. Uh, it's going on this weekend. Twenty-seven fifty per person plus tax and gratuity, which is not included. Reservations are required. Call the number I just told you. Or go to winesofflorida.com slash steak dash night. And you can make reservations. But they're Doing it again this weekend, as they do uh, quite often. Amazing Grace Vineyard and, and Winery. They are, uh, they, I got an email from them, and it stated, spaces are filling up fast for our next of kin murder mystery dinner theater on July 22nd. So they, um, uh, uh, that's an amazing grace vineyard and winery. Let me click on this link and see if I can give you more because it doesn't say anything. Here we go. Uh, amazing grace uh, vineyard and winery. That's located on Route 9 in Chazy, New York. Uh, you can contact Mary Fortin at Amazing Grace Vineyard and Winery at 518-215-4044 or Mary at AmazingGraceWinery.com. It's an evening of whodunit and good fun and libations. Uh, Next 10 is an interactive murder mystery dinner theater 
set on an estate owned by Hamilton Sugarbaker, a sickly patriarch whose last wish for his family is to gather together before he passes on. Now he must decide who will be the beneficiary. And you are part of the murder mystery and watching it and taking it on and enjoying your evening there. The dinner show everything, $35 prepaid. And you can register at um, AmazingGrace.com or contact Mary at AmazingGraceWinery.com. Fun time. If you've never been to a murder mystery thing, interactive like that, they they are a kick. They really are. They're they're a lot of fun and everything. So that is coming up on the 22nd of this month, 6 o'clock in the evening is when it is. So. Uh, if you're in the winery out there listening to this and you have a email, an event, anything coming up you'd like me to talk about, just send me the emails. Uh, I'll be happy to talk about it on the show. I, I don't don't mind at all. It's uh, um, spread it out. If you're new to the program, come on. We'll talk to you a little bit about the program. You can tell us about all of your good stuff, and then we'll uh, keep announcing you. Keep keep people informed of what's going on with you, which is you know a good way to get it out there. We get enough people listening that it's spreads the word out there, and if they're in your area, they can always say, "Hey, learned about you on All About Wine," which is a cool thing. All right. Uh, I don't know if you... I I talked about this last week. I don't know if you all caught all of it or not. But... uh, Wine drinkers have different bacteria in their mouth than non-wine drinkers. They have found that the bacteria in the mouth of wine drinkers is... a, a a disease-causing bacteria. It creates a... Well, let me see if I can see the name of the disease here. Uh, yes, but I can't pronounce it. Um, both men and women who have one or more drinks per day had more harmful bacteria in their samples of uh, mouth swabs, including bacterial delis, uh, acidomyces, and... Neisseria species. Uh, they appear to possess fewer lactobacillus, which are commonly used in probiotic food supplements to prevent sickness. So, some of the so-called bad bacteria found in higher levels of drinkers' mouths have previously been linked to gum disease and uh, heart disease and some forms of cancer. Hmm. Don't know why. Don't know what causes it. Don't know any of that stuff. But uh, new studies are showing that that's why they will, I am sure, do more studies on it and everything. Uh, The word is that uh, this isn't to say that a daily gas of wine will ruin your gums or lead to heart attack or cancers or anything. Uh, It's not enough wine, beer, or spirit only drinkers to determine if this plays the role in it, so it wasn't really a controlled study. And previous studies have shown that both wine and winemaking components have the potential to inhibit the growth of harmful bacteria in the mouth. So, you know, yang yang, as always, there are contradictory reports. But this latest one coming out now, this is a study that is out of, and let me tell you where this study originated, because that's always fun. New York University researchers uh, published a report. Uh, They employed data on 1,044 U.S. adults between the ages of 55 to 87. So uh, an older group study. So I just um, wanted to pass that on and let you know what's going on with that. Let's see. Let's go back here to this and there's something else I talked about last week a little bit uh, 
Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you heard that. I talked about the unbiased study, and they found out that it was sponsored by a, uh, by an alcohol group to come up with information on how alcohol affects your body. And it was sponsored by an alcohol group. So, yeah. Uh, let's see, emerging wine regions. Uh, or, oh, I'm going to read That's a long article, and I haven't finished reading that. Uh, it, this is emerging America's wine regions, uh, examining the, the America's new emerging regions. Uh, this article published by 750 daily and you can subscribe to 750 daily if you don't already it's it's uh, pretty good stuff um but it talks about the, the emerging wine regions and not just california oregon washington the ones that we're so familiar with and also you know the plantings in new york virginia pennsylvania michigan have all been discussed and examined and all that but this says that there are others out there and more emerging. Texas, for example. Now, we've talked a lot about Texas. We've interviewed people in Texas. We've talked to them in Texas. We've done a lot of stuff. And we know, being listeners to All About Wine, are aware of that Texas is really a great wine-growing region. In fact, a wine enthusiast, yes, it was Wine Enthusiast magazine a couple years ago, three years ago, pointed to Texas as one of the 10 best, actually the, the uh, hill country of Texas, one of the 10 best regions for grape growing in the, in the world. So uh, they have been noted and have been uh, looked at. Plantings in Texas go back to the mid-1600s when the Franciscan monks settled missions there and started to some planting. So it's an old history. This article I, I goes into a lot of detail. That's why it was an interesting article, uh, but I'm not going to go into all the detail. Another region, Michigan. Seventh in overall wine production. Michigan has nearly 200 producers on record and about 3,050 acres of wine vineyards. Uh, they also have over 10,000 acres of table grape vineyards. So that's, uh, you know, wine grape, table grape, different, but uh, they're they're big there. Uh, they have been producing wine for a long time. Michigan has five official AVAs within 25 miles of Lake Michigan, and this is because of the favorable climate from Lake Michigan, uh, throwing the uh, cool weather in the summer and not freezing in the winter, so therefore it regulates the temperatures a little bit more there. Uh, the whole state is doing a lot of grape growing, but the Upper Peninsula is becoming really one of the biggest ones lately. It's exploding in vineyards and growing and all that up there. So Michigan, uh, they're doing a lot of cold-hearted grapes from University of Minnesota, which is putting out a lot of cold-hearted grapes. And they're also doing some from University of Michigan also, which has been contributing to some grapes up there. Uh, ooh, oh, this is an interesting little line. It says, the Great Lakes uh, is considered the third coast of the United States, uh, East Coast, West Coast, and the Great Lakes Coast, because of the soil, climate, viticultural, and the influence of, of the lakes on all the states up there. They also talked about New York and narrowing the focus of New York, how different regions of New York have exploded. Uh, Long Island, for example, Terminus, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Cabernet Franc, uh, are experimenting with some grapes from other parts of the world, Spanish grapes, northern Italian grapes, different things that are doing well in the Long Island area. Also, the Finger Lakes is starting to concentrate more on uh, specific grapes instead of just doing every type of grape that they can plant and grow. 
they are concentrating a little bit more on the cooler climate of vinifers, such as Chardonnays and Rieslings, and making them the grapes of the future, if you will, for those regions. There's a lot of areas that are uh, growing and making a Gewurztraminer or Pinot Noir or just different ones that you don't hear so often, but they're concentrating on to try to make it a unique and good wine from that region. And then the last one on the list here is Arizona. And again, we've talked to Arizona. Listeners of All About Wine are familiar with Arizona wines and Arizona vineyards and wineries. Uh, Keith Joshua, a friend of mine, and a great winery down there. I visited him, and it's it's a phenomenal winery. He has events going on. I haven't been getting emails from him, too. I'm going to have to get a hold of him and say, hey, you're, you're missing me on emails. <coughs> been missing emails from him. In fact, let me make myself a note. Keith Joshua uh, needs to... I need to get a hold of him. He used to send me emails you know, a couple of three times a, a week. And I have... Oh, okay. K-I-E-T-H dash J-O-S-H-U-A winery. He's located in Elgin which is in the southern southern hills of Arizona, south of Tucson, in that area there. But uh, Keith Johnson has had his training in Australia and Princess, and he's opened up himself up a winery there and does a great job. He has all sorts of wines going on there, and as well do a lot of others uh, in the area. Sonota is located about an hour south of Tucson, and that was Arizona's first AVA, and it has good rainfall, good soil drainage, um, and it's has prompted because of the area a lot of growth in wineries. Uh, the uh, uh, Wilcox received its first Wilcox is uh, another region received its first AVA designation in 2016 and currently accounts for more than 70% of Arizona grapes. Uh, the Verde Valley and the northwest part of the state uh, boost high elevation, ideal growing conditions, uh, plenty of water, and good drainage, although it is not an AVA yet. It is in, I, last I heard, it is in for... Uh, trying to become an AVA, but uh, it hasn't been approved yet. Uh, so, Arizona, we we know that that is a, another region that has been good exploding. If you haven't had Arizona wines, and you know the thing is, you can have Arizona wines shipped to you. A lot of them do ship, but uh, they are using up all the grapes they can within the state, which is a problem all around the country. I mean, in just about every state you go to, you don't find their grapes, I'm sorry, you don't find their wines outside of the state simply because there's not enough. The demand within the state far outpaces the demand that they can meet, and so therefore you're not seeing any shipment outside of state in a lot of these states. Um, it's it's just amazing there. So, so um, merging wine regions, uh, like I said, I've been reading this article, but uh, interesting article. If you're interested, again, it is from 750 Daily and spelled out S-E-V-E-N-F-I-F-T-Y Daily, D-A-I-L-Y. Uh, I think it might daily.750.com and there's all sorts of archives and everything. You can go back and listen to it. But this is Examining America's Emerging Wine Regions, this article. All right. Now, um, let's see. Let's get out of this and go to this. And I talked last week about the 
a lawsuit that was looking at getting let's see where is it okay Sarasota Wine Market versus Parson and it was trying to circumvent the Missouri laws that state that you have to go to a third party it went to the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Missouri and a District Judge Henry Autry dismissed the suit because he said the challenge statutes do not result in discrimination so Actually, he cited it's uh, the Commerce Clause does, is not affected or anything. So, the wine and spirits wholesalers of America are cheering and clapping and saying, yay, yay, yay. And all the people in the country are saying, boo, 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 because they are now having to just still go through third parties and they can't have it directly shipped to them. So, Missouri ruling that was done just a couple of weeks ago. Let me look at the date on this. Uh, the date of this ruling was, I have no idea. I don't see it here. I thought I just saw a date. June 15th. So just, you know, three weeks ago or so, that ruling came down. Told about it last week. And let me go on. Yes, I'm still on the air. Last week, that's about the time we lost it. So Wanted to be sure it didn't kick me off again. So I'm still there. Uh, and let's go to another one that I covered last week. I don't know if y'all heard this or not, but there was a big, big wine bust in China. A Gugong, a Gudong province, I think, a Gundong. Guangdong province uh, have bust another major smuggling wine case involving wines valued at more than RMB. What what is RMB? Uh, Mike, you can look that up. It says RMB $230 million, which is equal to $35.5 million U.S. But I, I think that's where I discovered you were gone last week when I asked you to look up RMB for me. Uh, but RMB oh, two thirty Chinese Chinese yuan Chinese yuan 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 is it how much yeah how much how much was the UMB or RMB RMB two hundred thirty million dollars RMB which equals thirty five point five million US yep. so RMB that that Dion yeah, well that's a strange way to abbreviate it. Uh, so, all right. Uh, is, I mean, R&B for the young. Yeah. Um, according to local police, the smuggling ring was dismantled in the uh, port city of Zhihai. And the wine was being funneled all through the uh, state. It was all sorts of wines, too. Hong Kong and Macau have zero tax on imported wine. While crossing over to the mainland, imported wines in general pay close to 50% taxes. And so smuggling is a, a big way to make money. This is, uh, they, since 2015, they have dismantled six smuggling rings in that area, and all of them are centered on high end wines, uh, valued at RMB $108 million or $16.7 million US. Um, so, uh, big, big smuggling crushed in China, which shouldn't affect us at all in any aspect, except for the fact that the demand might be higher for more wine since they're stopping those. But it doesn't affect us. It really, you know, that's amazing. Stuff like that are going, and we absolutely see no effect at all on what's happening. Last week, I also talked about something, and I don't know if it was at the end of the show. It's just odd when you cut into it like that. I didn't hear it. I, I went back and previewed some of the show, and I didn't hear this, so I think I didn't talk about it. But Supreme Court. Supreme Court just had rulings last week, uh, or week before last. I, the session ended uh, the uh, I, uh, next to the last week of June, something like that. 
and they came out with all sorts of different rulings. And these rulings, as always, affect people from all over the country in all areas and all aspects. But they also made a ruling that's going to affect every one of us at one place or another once things start coming together. This ruling, Supreme Court rules that states can force online retailers to collect sales tax. All right. Now, that's not just wine, but that's everything. That is everything. Online retailers can be forced. So if you order something from California and you live in Florida, it is going to cost sales tax based on, I think, the state that it's shipping into, from what I understand. Okay, now, let me go through this, and this is the... This is the ruling here. The Supreme Court ruled Thursday. Oh, no. Here, I got something on here that starts talking. Let me get out of that. No, I don't want to load that. Oh, geez. I lost it. Okay. Here we go. Uh, the 5-4 to four decision overturns a 1992 Supreme Court precedent that effectively barred states from collecting such taxes. And this could leave consumers paying more for online purchases as cash-strapped states tap a rich vein of new revenue. Now, in making their decision, justices ruled that South Dakota can collect sales taxes from online retailers like Wayfair, which was sued by the state. In doing so, the court reverses a 1992 ruling that allowed states to levy taxes only on those businesses with a brick-and-mortar location within the state. And this was always the thing. If you had a brick-and-mortar, if you had an actual building, a physical building in the state, then you had to collect taxes, and the state could levy taxes on you. But if you did not, you can ship into the state without having to pay the sales tax on it. Boy, this thing quit popping up on me. Jeez. This this is a CNN site, and it keeps throwing crap up on top of the screen that I'm trying to look at here. Um, it is, uh, let's see. Let me go back here. Because this is going to affect all of us in one way or the other. Um Okay, ultimately, justices deemed the current law outdated. Uh, it said it led to a judiciary um, tax shelter. The Internet's prevalence and power have changed the dynamics of the nation's economy. The, the, the expansion of e-commerce has also increased the revenue shortfall faced by states seeking to collect their sales and use taxes. So there you go. Um a retail analysis, uh, uh, Sushrita Kodel says this is bad news for thousands of major online retailers. And now the companies have to access taxes on consumers or they can get sued. So it wasn't just, you know, paying your taxes here. If I catch you without not doing this properly, the state can then sue you to get the taxes, which could end up costing a lot more than trying to just levy taxes. South Dakota's law applies only to those businesses with more than $100,000 in sales or at least 200 transactions in each in the state each year. 21 states already levy an online sales tax of some sort, but it remains unclear how this ruling is going to affect uh, them or the other 19 states. Uh, states will have to adjust their laws. Uh, they can try to get it set up so that the places collect tax beforehand. It will more than likely be passing it on to the consumer. I mean, you know, of course it will. I, that's a ridiculous statement there for someone on this article. It may be passed on. It will be passed on because these companies are not going to absorb the sales tax. The justices disagreed on the point when they heard the case in April and again in their ruling. 
The majority opinion, Justice Kennedy, said it was inconsistent for the Supreme Court to ask Congress to address a false constitutional premise of this court's own creation. So, it is uh, unlikely that it will halt the rapid ascent of e-commerce, which was fueled by the 1992 decision, but it will start creating all sorts of different laws and rules and regulations that are going to have to be figured out by everybody and everyone as they're doing this. Uh, the says physical stores think this will level the playing field, but it's a little bit too little too late to help places like Sears or J.C. Penney, which have crumbled because of not collecting sales tax and all that. Evidence of this can be found in a staggering statistic cited by Justice Kennedy's majority opinion. He wrote, quote, in 1992, mail-order sales in the United States totaled $180 billion. Last year, e-commerce retail sales alone were estimated at $453.5 billion. Now, that's its total sales and total stuff, and it is uh, for all retail, but Another article, and I will find this, and we'll talk about this a little bit more here. Uh, This is a little bit more toward wine. This article states, if it will come up here on me, I'm waiting for it patiently. Supreme Court rules that states may tax e-commerce. What does this mean for direct-to-customer wine sales? Okay. They call it the Wayfair effect, and that's really the the, the term that's being used uh, to do it. Uh, the ruling stated that, again, the online sellers are required to collect and remit sales tax regardless of where the seller is based. Uh, The case has major implications for e-commerce, obviously, but many wineries selling direct to consumers, or DTC, are concerned with how this could impact them, which they want to quickly address. And In the immediate future, the Wayfair will not have an adverse effect on DTC wineries. The court's decision only relates to the specific South Dakota law, which states that any seller making more than 100,000 revenue or more than 200 separate transactions in a year must begin collecting and remitting sales tax on their sales to South Dakota. Okay, that's what it's ruled on. It was specific. However, Direct-to-consumer wineries are already required to collect and remit sales tax on their direct-to-consumer sales to the state as a condition of getting their DTC license. So essentially, these wineries are ahead of the game when it comes to remote sales and going forward. Other online sellers will need to do what DTC wineries have been doing for a while, uh, and since the direct-to-consumer sales opened in 2016. We can expect other states to follow soon of the South Dakota and enact their own economic nexus tax laws, which means uh, no more physical presence as long as you know you're shipping into it, you've got to collect it. There are a few states where the decision could have an impact, however, Um, states such as Colorado, Minnesota, Florida, Missouri currently do not require DCC wineries to collect sales tax on their DTC or DTC orders. And so wineries would be in the same boat as other e-commerce sellers in those states. None of these states has of yet passed a law similar to South Dakota's. And once they do, and we have every reason to expect that it will happen, then wineries would be impacted just like everyone else. 
Yeah, the Wayfair decision is still fresh. It's still the impact won't be known for months. It's just like any other law. They say you can't do that. It's not like you know you're telling the classroom of kids you can't use your pencils anymore. You're gonna have pens. The next day everybody shows up with pens. When it comes to this stuff, it could take months, if not years, before they get around to doing all this. Um, even if states do pa uh, pass their own economic nexus rules, litigation could take long time to hammer it out and to introduce different standards and all that. The more we learn about the aftermath of Wayfair and how it might be impacting DTC wine market, we'll uh, look into it further and keep you informed of what we find out and what we will know. Now, I have one more article that came out. This, this came out the 21st, 22nd, uh, the 21st and 22nd of uh, June, right after the Supreme Court rulings, those two articles there. This one came out on, this is article came out on the 27th which was what, a little over a week ago, a week, week and a half ago. And this says, Supreme Court confirms online wine tax. Now, this is out of Wine Searcher. If you want to go check this out, www.wine-searcher.com. Supreme Court confirms online wine tax. And it says, wine sales have been somewhat of a laissez-faire business in the U.S. for some decades. Some retailers charge taxes on out-of-state, and others do not. As a result, the same bottle of wine might cost a New York consumer less online. Oh, jeez. thing just scrolled down by itself here. Um, let's see. Let me find where I was here again. Uh, might cost it cost a New York consumer less online in New Jersey than in a shop down the street. However, because of the Wayfair ruling, the wine retail market is going to be revamped and standardized in terms of taxes across the country. Now, this, according to the ruling, though, and I've read this, and according to the ruling. Unless it is a very, very large winery doing a lot of business, I don't see how this is going to affect every state. But the wine retail market is going to be revamped and standardized. The telling case, which comes just nine months on the hills of wholesaler pressure pushing UPS and FedEx wine deliveries out of 36 states, will mandate a retail market in which taxes will be paid by retailers large and small. Now, according to the rulings we just read, not small, just very large. Most major internet wine sales entities, such as Amazon and Wine.com, have been charging their out-of-state customer taxes all along. Until about six months ago, Amazon didn't charge sales tax on sales in areas where it didn't have a brick-and-mortar presence. But they changed that policy six months ago. Amazon did respond in time to commit for this story. They stated, we don't expect any significant effects to Wine.com or to Amazon because we've already been collecting and remitting sales tax in nearly every state for many years. Well, it will, let's see, let me scroll down a little bit here. This mouse, if I just throw the wheel on this mouse, it jumps down way too far. While it will be likely to take a while to implement, you're going to see a change. After this decision, if you've been managing to get your wine out of state and tax-free, that's probably not going to happen. It's uh, the, They're looking at probably going to be a uniform price increase. If they're not going to charge tax per se, this is this cost, this is your price with tax. 
you very possibly may just see across the board price increase, which will then be in the prices. Uh, it's going to be complicated. Looks like each state will have to pass their own laws. And in that case, it will be difficult for a winery to try to keep up what's going on. Now it's difficult. I mean, I used to have a pain trying to keep up with all the rules and regulations for all the wineries. The my great big Bible book that I used, that I get listing all the wineries and all that. They have a big section on where you can ship and what you can ship and who takes it, who doesn't, all that. A uh, very explicit section. And if they start coming out with all these different laws, I'm sure that's going to change. It's, it's a, no one close to the case thought this decision was a shock simply because all nine justices agreed that the existing rule was dumb and should be changed. Is really they're surprised it didn't happen before now. Other retailers have been following the case and they are also looking at the fact that they're going to have to make things change. Some merchants have been proactive in charging sales tax and they will continue to do so. Uh, it's the action with the action they've overturned a previous standard that has been in effect since 1992, which is the one where e-commerce does not have to collect tax. This is the the huge expansion on the online market over the years. This has been more than past due. Everyone's saying. Out-of-state purchases serve a number of needs. Many that are most, uh, many believe that most are driven by the hunt for unusual wines. These purchases can be convenient, and really, in reality, I'm not going to be able to find a whole bunch of Cabernet Franc around because it's not real popular. Go online; I can find them in California and different places. A partner in the San Francisco law firm agrees that out-of-state purchases are usually sought-after items. It's a matter of the product and the availability. Most consumers buy wine online because the three-tier system has let them down and the products they want aren't sold in their state. And that really, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the big problems, too. Uh, People are still buying online. They're getting a case shipped in here or there, stuff like that. But if you're in the winery and you order the wine and say, I want that shipped to me, you're paying taxes there anyway. It's just basically going online and ordering through the things that you're doing. And those, I don't think people do a lot of that. Most of the direct-to-customer market is lower prices, and it seems unlikely that the low-price ones were uh, a, a major driver of the direct-to-customer market, uh, out-of-state out of suppliers and stuff. And this article says the same thing. It's just it's not too likely um, that the uh, – oh, this thing jumped on me again. Here we go. Uh, Said so most consumers buy wine online because three tier system let them down, uh, saving 8.875% on sales tax, especially for a large ticket item, makes a difference. On the other hand, many consumers have uh, may not be aware that they weren't paying taxes. Well, I think they were. You know, consumers know. I, I think that's a a wrong statement. I, people understand they're paying taxes. Lower prices may never have been that important to direct-to-consumer market anyway. It seemed unlikely that lower prices were a major driver of DTC sales from out-of-state, which is true. I mean, you know, it's not the low prices. It's the things that you want that you order online. If you can't find it at your local wine shop or something around, that is when you go online and order it, and that's where your sales tax is going to start hitting you again when you start looking at the different prices. As a shipper, it's a nightmare. I mean, as a winery and we ship stuff, it would be a nightmare to try to keep up on sales tax amounts everywhere. It's def definitely would. As retailers have already been restricted from shipping into 36 states since last October, 
the big changes to purchases and tax increases are going to take place in another 14 states and District of Columbia. How long it's going to take to enforce this and how long it's going to take to apply all the rules and new regulations, who knows? Majority of state DTC laws already require the collection of both sales and excise tax. So the new ruling will have very little impact, again, for high items. Uh, the real winners, state treasuries. Because of sales taxes that would be collected online will potentially be enormous. And that's not just wine. That's going to be everything. State treasuries are going to start getting more and more money. Um, and that's what's going to happen. The tax is going to go up on everything, especially high-end wines. If you have any comments on this, you know, let me know. Email me. All about wine. 101 at gmail.com. I would love to hear what you think about this. You know, I I don't know. I don't think it's going to affect wine a whole lot, but I think it will some. So that's uh, so we uh, new ruling, new Supreme Court ruling. Taxes are going to be starting to be charged. Need to get hold of uh, our friend out at freethegrapes.org and let him put his uh, thoughts into this. In fact, I'll have to try to call him this week uh, because there's uh, that might have, might affect something there. Uh, so let me. Oops, I just clicked on something I didn't want to click on. Uh, Apple gets desperate, liquidates overstock iPhone X for $1. There you go. I need a new phone to iPhone X for $1. Freethegrapes.org. If you are not familiar with that site, check it out. It's trying to get great, uh, trying to get wine shipped to every state in the nation. And with this new ruling, that might, might put a bind in it. Another bit of trivia here before I let you go. Just uh, off the fig leaf. Artwork has been used on wine bottles and wine posters since at least the 19th century. But in the United States, where all wine labels must be approved by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, art is only art. Our art is art only when it doesn't reveal certain body parts. Take homage, a series of Cabernet Sauvignons made by the Clopagesi Winery in the Napa Valley. In 1988, the winery's owners, art collectors Jan and Mitsuko Shrim, chose the 1943 painting Bedecked Nude by noted French artist Jean Dubuffet to grace the label of their Cabernet. One quick look at the front posed nude male figure was all the BATF needed. The label was rejected as indecent. To gain BATF approval, the shrimps were forced to crop the production ever so carefully, just below the figure's belly button and not a millimeter lower. But after years of protest over the censorship and newspaper articles condemning the BATS Britannical stance, the agency decided to reverse its position. Exactly 10 vintages later, the 1998 Club Pagasse homage Cabernet Sauvignon portrayed the full bedecked nude in all his well bedecked glory. So, yeah, the BATF restricts, restricts a lot of stuff. So, actually, it's the TTB now that that controls that, not the BATF. So we are done for another week. I'm, I was going to talk about something. I'll, I'll wait until next week to talk about this. It's uh, uh it, it was. I, I have a, a very interesting list of how many wineries are in every state and how many labels each of the wineries have registered and and all that. It's it, it, the numbers. 
number of wineries in every state. Now, this is uh, rather up-to-date um, as of March of this year. So something to look forward to next week. What was that? Yep. Uh, was that on my end? Yeah, I don't know where we that have, is. We have thunder, loud, close oh, by thunder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, then that was on your end. Okay. That was, I, I didn't so. get the thunder. I, I never got the rain or anything. It just, it, I mean, in fact, I see a rainbow out the window. So, all right. How do you. Oh, I guess it is 8 o'clock. I don't. Yeah, I can't tell if it's uh, light or dark. Well, it's dark here, but I think that's. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been uh, thundering pretty bad, uh, lightning pretty close. So. Um, wow. Yeah. It's coming back to visit us. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. We. I get it here. I. I it's just scared it away. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Well, we won't Pick say state. Uh, so that's it for another week. Then tune in next week. We'll talk about the uh, number of wineries in every state. I, it, the numbers are going to surprise you. Yes, California has the most. Uh, that is still hasn't changed, but. Yeah, the numbers uh, as of actually a couple months ago uh, are rather eye-awakening. So there's a little tease for next week. And tune in next week. Thanks for tuning in this week. And unless there's something Mike has to add it for us. No, not at this time. Um, we will see everybody next Thursday. That would be July the 12th at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so... Yeah, appreciate it, and um, have a good week and weekend. And uh, hope everybody still mind. has ten fingers after yesterday. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they had yeah. things on news where people blew off their fingers and all sorts of stuff every year. Every year, people is yeah. gunpowder. You don't hold it in your hand. All right. No. Uh, no. No. Oh well. <laughs> the more you the more it's like, well, why not? Let me try it. <laughs> Let me try it. Yeah, I, it's, I, like a, I, it's like a dare. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and, and shooting shooting guns into the sky. Oh yeah. The state of Florida had was three or four incidents where bullets actually came down in, in people's houses, and, and you know, I don't think I don't know if it hit anybody this year, but. Did it hit one guy? Yeah. Yeah. It hit one guy this year. Shooting bullets in the air. Shooting your guns up in the air. If you want to make a noise, don't shoot your guns up in the air. I mean, point it toward the ground, if nothing else. But, oh, my gosh. Well, you know. Uh, that's still illegal, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. But it's still illegal, but I mean, it's not going to come I down mean, and if, hit somebody. If, you, know? if you have to, yeah, right. You have to shoot your gun off, and you really shouldn't. Anyway, if you have to shoot your gun, point it toward the ground, point it toward the mud. You know. Yep. Oh, That's geez. what you have to I do. Just, then. Yeah. yeah. Don't understand do it. it. Um, I, I don't either. No, I really don't. So bang a pot. You know, you get yourself a wooden spoon and bang a pot. You know, that's yeah. that's noisy too. And that's yeah. legal. So. And that's <laughs> not a two o'clock in the morning. But the, it's not at two o'clock in the morning. It's still better than shooting a gun. <laughs> if you if you're in your neighborhood and you go outside and bang a pot at two o'clock in the morning, you'll probably hear gunfire after that. <laughs> That's right. You will probably find out who in your neighborhood has guns. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's a good. And I'm not anti-gun. Don't get me wrong on this, but don't be shooting up in the air. You know. You know. So yeah, and don't they, be banging pots. <laughs> right, and, and and if you do, don't tell them you heard about it on All About Wine. That's, that's there you go. Of, yes, we don't want to be implemented in the lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what? Our guest today is Sheriff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff Brady uh, Judge from Polk County. <laughs> oh, oh no! Yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, definitely. You know what I'm talking evil. about? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. We'll, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in <laughs> again. Thank you for uh, Be safe. Yeah. Enjoy your Be safe. And, have a good uh, week. Thanks for listening. <laughs> all right. Bye. <laughs> bye. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. 
For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.